this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Come on. In Jesus' name, amen. Now your best shout ever. Oh, yeah. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we are subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when we were raised, when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point us in all future ages as examples of the incredible uh, wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we, so we can do th- good things he had planned for us long ago. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it only affected their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You, uh, You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Praise God. Thank you, Ryan. Give God a shout for the word. Uh, You may be seated. I want to uh, welcome and I want you to give a good hand clap to uh, my pastors. I grew up in their church. Man, they cast devils out of me, raised me well. And you hear me talk about the Holy Spirit, but it's because I have spiritual mom and dad that Uh, raised me and my family to know the Holy Spirit. So, brother and sister Arnold, would you just give them a hand today? Thank you for being here. I love you. I love you. It's kind of surreal. Uh, We started going to their church when I was three years old, and from three until 15, I was in their church, and I saw great and mighty things. It's kind of humbling now to stand and preach to him, but I know you've been a good spiritual father, uh, and thank you. Thank you for living it and preaching it. It blesses me, and I'm glad, and I'm honored you're here. Uh, I want to jump right in in a series I've been doing called God Healed My Heart. Uh, Many of you may or may not know the journey last year was a rough one. Uh, 
Uh, I don't wish it on anybody. You know, we got the report of Robin having cancer and the report of our granddaughter uh, giving a diagnosis with cystic fibrosis. And then I broke out in some weird kind of rash I've never had in my life. And it just, I don't know if you've ever had that moment when it rains, it pours. And you just feel like you get to a point of, I don't know how much more I can pull through this. And you kind of have these feelings of, come on, God, man, a little breather would be nice. Uh, and, and then you about feel like you're going to make it out. And then you get on the news and find out there's another Delta variant going to kill all of us. We're going to shut the whole country down again. You're like, come on, God, give us a break. <clears throat> and um, it's just where we landed on. We're in part four. But that, what I said last week, my God, Jesus hanging on a cross, why did you abandon me? And it's when everything's going wrong that you can sometimes feel like God's just turned his back. And where is he when I needed him most? And we said last week that even Jesus, if it makes our humanity feel better, even Jesus, in a desperate, dark moment of life, turned his face toward his father and gave a cry of, I really feel like you've abandoned me. I feel like you've forsaken me. My God, why did you forsake me? In other words, my God, it didn't turn out like I thought it would. My God, it didn't go the way I thought it would start. My God, the pain is too hard. My God, the blood is too thick. My God, I'm next to two people. Surely my life would have ended better than being next to two scoundrels on a cross with my mother watching me bleed out. But today I don't want to focus on the my God abandoned me. I want to focus on why. And so the thought of the day is why. I find when you're a human, it doesn't really matter if you're a Christian or not, but why always pops up. Why? Especially when it's related to God. Why does God allow? Why did God let my husband? Why did God let my wife? Why did God let me get sick? Why did God? Why did God? If God is so good, why? Even if you don't know God, you're not even born again, there's something about humanity that still likes to point a finger up into the heavens and talk about why, why Mother Earth, why. I think if I was just being honest with why, it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. There, there's an obsession in a human to have knowledge. It, it's the tree, you know, we really think the tree was dirty, the tree of knowledge of good and evil was dirty, right? But it wasn't, it was created by God. But the tree created by God was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. So here's what we need to say. I think that the insatiable desire to know why goes all the way back to the tree that we humans just want to know. And we get ticked when God doesn't tell us why. I want God to tell me why. I, I want to understand the ways of the universe. And so, especially if God is silent, we try other things, the ways of Google, the ways of medicine, the ways of addiction, the ways of other, other religions, uh, uh, and we get desperate, we're filtering, we're looking for the why, uh, and, and the, the, you know, the questions are far too great to sit here, we could fill the walls up with all the whys, you probably have your why and I have my why, and, and I fought that last year just when your wife says, I've been diagnosed with breast cancer, and even though I don't want to go why, it's like, gosh, why, man? Lord, you know, and I can easily start filtering answers. Well, the devil, well, genetics, well, welcome to the world. Well, it's just a battle. Oh, it's spiritual warfare. It really doesn't matter. It's still cancer. 
It doesn't matter what answer, what exclamation I put behind the question. The question mark is still like, well, it doesn't matter. Define why it came. You still have a diagnosis of cancer. It come because your mama? Did it come because you didn't eat right? Did it come because you're stressed? Did it become... Well, it really doesn't matter if I have all the answers. The bottom line is i got to face something, and sometimes, though, the answer may make us feel better. The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. That's kind of how it feels. Once the answer blows by you, it's like, but it didn't fix it. And so I just thought, what better way to try to wrap this plane right up than to try to... Uh, tell you how I got through my why last year. My, God, you got to help a brother out. I don't want to tuck tail. I definitely don't want to throw in the towel. I don't want to be an agnostic. I don't want to say you're not real. I don't want to deny things I believe my whole life because suddenly the things I believe are contrary to what I'm experiencing. And so... I did a lot of soul searching and a lot of thinking and a lot of, uh, you know, fighting through it. And sometimes I cried and sometimes I shouted and sometimes I praised and sometimes I questioned. So I thought I'd help you through it. So here's the first thing that'll help you. It helped me immensely. It's going to burn and sting. But I'll tell you where we're headed once we get there. God owes you no reason. God owes you no answer. God owes me nothing. And that's a hard place to get to. It's a hard place to come as a human to say, God doesn't owe me a thing. I want him to owe me something. I want him to tell me why and owe me a reason. If I'm going to suffer, give a brother a reason. Because humans will give you a reason. Well, you're in sin. Well, there's an open door. You didn't forgive somebody. You ate too much bacon. You need to quit Diet Coke. Whatever. (laughs) Right? Humans will give you a reason. Humans will tell you why you got molested. Humans will tell you why your husband left you. Humans will tell you why your marriage failed. And then we go to God as a human and we kind of stomp our foot and go, You better tell me. And I don't mean this in a rude way. I just mean, you really think he owes you something? Are we that bodacious in what we think about ourselves? That the creator owes me an answer. And so I had to come to that place because I want him to answer me. If you read the seven statements of Jesus on the cross, which is, my God, I feel like you've abandoned me statement, Daddy God never answers. He's not like, I'm right here. Just hang on a little more. Keep bleeding, boy. You're almost home. Like, never. Like, what that must feel like to be the Son of God crying out for your Father and your Father gives you nothing. Nothing. No pat on the back, no prophecy from the floor. Hang on, Jesus, I see a glory cloud over your head. Nothing. No angels. Just a guy bleeding out in a dark moment, and Daddy God is silent. And that just irritates me when God is silent. I want to tell him if I was a dad, I'd do something. And so 
I landed here. Let me just show you why I'm not thinking. I'm not just going off of I'm mad at God, so I thought I'd throw him under the bus here. Listen to this scripture. Once you were dead, God owes you nothing. You're dead to him. And you're dead because of your sins. You're dead because you obey the devil. You're dead because you refuse to obey God. And just so you feel good about yourself, all of us in the room used to live that way. Nobody in this room, including me, has any reason that we could stand and tell God he owes us anything. We were devil worshipers. We were snot-nosed, rebellious, no-good, narcissistic, self-loving people doing our own thing, our own way, giving God the middle finger. We have the audacity to say, I feel like you owe me something. And God's like, I'll tell you what I owe you. Nothing but my anger. If you want to know what I owe you, I owe you my anger because of your very own nature. That's what's owed you. I ought to just nuke all of you again. And I, I know, you know, I make a joke that God says the last days will be just like the days of Noah. I make jokes all the time. Like I think he's up there going... I wish I wouldn't have made that promise not to kill them all. <laughs> like, I feel like he just want to kill us all right now. Like, man, those are some weird people. But, but let's kind of come off our high horse of humanity. Yeah, I believe Richard Branson can go 55 miles up to the atmosphere and take pictures of our technology of what we can do. And, but God owes you nothing. The fact that you're here is a miracle. <laughs> the next verse, just to make you feel even better. <laughs> I just love making everybody feel horrible. <laughs> Don't forget, in other words, he's going to remind you again. It's like the mother that comes in. Don't let me tell you another time. Well, that's what he is. I'm going to tell you one more time. So this time, he just calls you a name. You uncircumcised heathens. means nothing to us. Because we're, we're not Jews. You know, it just means nothing to us Gentiles, uncircumcised heathen. But, but let me give you redneck terms. You sniveling, writhing, conniving, manipulating, no good, backstabbing, two-timing, dirty, dealing, adulterating, pot-smoking, mess-smoking, addicted, little sorry, no good for nothing person. You just got to be redneck to make it feel better, right? So he just kind of lets them know that's all what you were. You were excluded from anything, God. You couldn't even get a passport from God. You couldn't even get a voter ID from God because you're not a citizen. You're an alien. You're a foreigner. You don't belong in my country. Get out of my country. Oh, and also, you're just without God and without hope. How could we think he owes us anything? Here's how I'll just bring it home. I don't know. I don't know where you stand on social justice. But I would think it might just irritate you a little. <laughs> 
when someone crosses our border illegally, comes in and gets free health care, free food, free college, free housing, and you're busting your hump as an American citizen just to pay bills. I'm not saying we might not do something for people, but does it not irritate you like, I'm a tax-paying citizen. I have earned the right in America to vote. I just don't feel the need to take on every human that comes across the border. It's the same way God feels. I have my own country, my own kingdom. I just don't like you swimming across the river thinking I owe you something. I owe you nothing. And so this is kind of the setup of Mark going, I've served you my whole life. I don't know why you let this stuff happen to me. I was a good man. And then you kind of have that moment of, okay, never mind. Uh, right? You ever just, I don't, yeah, yeah, you're right. I, yeah. Man, I've lied to you, God. I've told you I'd quit stuff I hadn't quit. I, oh, Jesus. I don't, if you put it on. And then I just go into the, I don't even know why I preach. I don't even, gosh. Why you even picked me to preach, I'll never know. Because I know me. So listen to the next scripture. It starts getting a little better. I'm about to turn the air on on the plane. But God, come on somebody. <laughs> Woo! But God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much, you sniveling, sneaky, backstabbing, dirty, dealing, adulterating, pot-smoking, meth-making, tax-cheating, porn-addicted humans. He loved you so much. Even though you were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by grace you've been saved. And now what I'm about to tell you next is what I landed on. All right? So the, I feel like you owe me. Oh, you're right. I feel like, oh, yeah, you're right. And then I read this scripture and I landed on this thought. Here's my next thought. God owes me nothing. God owes me no answer. God owes me no reason. But God does give me kindness. All right, take that slide down. Go back to the other one. All right, I'm going to read that slide again. And when I do, you ought to shout. <laughs> I just threw every one of you under the bus and then told you God was kind. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> he's kind. You need to think about your life a minute. I'm going to let it soak. I'm going to show you that slide. And you need a Holy Ghost Pentecostal thank you moment. Here we go. Sit quiet. I'm going to go slow. Here it is. God, throw it up there, owes me no reason. Hold on. God owes me no answer. Get ready, Pentecostal. I don't even care if you're Baptist. Be Pentecostal for a minute. God owes me nothing, but God gives me kindness. <laughs> Woo! He's a kind God. I deserve nothing from him. He doesn't have to heal me, fix me, pay attention to me, but he's up there in heaven going, that's right, boy. But let me tell you something. I'm really kind. And because of my kindness, 
Because of my great love that I have for you, sniveling little whiny Mark, I'm about to lavish some kindness upon you, my son. Kindness you don't even deserve. Kindness you don't even have a clue what it's going to feel like when it hits you between the eyes. And then I realized the real problem is I want the whys rather than the kindness. I want God to tell me why so I can understand the suffering versus, wait a minute, in the middle of it, my daddy's going to be kind to me. And now we say, well, he, he did nothing for Jesus. The seven things he said on the cross, not a word from daddy. Oh, he didn't get a why on the cross, but daddy's up in heaven going, hang on, boy, because I'm about to be really kind. I'm going to show up on day three and tick some people off. I'm going to take the devil's kingdom out here because of the kindness of our Father God. And I will tell you this, in this journey this year, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, but oh, the kindness of God. Oh, he shows up in, shows up in the midnight hour. He shows up in a dream. He shows up in a song. He shows up in a verse. He shows up in a friend that says, I was just praying for you today and I wanted to encourage you with something. You're like, oh man, I needed that. Hey, I hope I'm not bothering you, Pastor, but this morning I was praying. Here's a, well, oh God, I needed that. And the Lord's like, man, Mark, I'm throwing kindness to you everywhere. I don't know what you're going through, Mark, but I just want you to know we're here. I'll, I'll cut your grass for you. I'll do. And you, you realize all of a sudden in the middle of the hell when you want to pout and you want to bemoan, when you understand the kindness of God, he's speaking and moving and working and breathing. It gives you hope. It makes you want to get up and keep going. It makes you want to put a foot in another day and go, man, I don't have all the answers, but I know he's kind. So I gave this as my thought for you today. Maybe it'll, it'll spur you a little better. When someone says, why? I don't know. But I got kindness. I don't have all the answers, but I know he's a kind God. The King James would translate it this way. He's merciful. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burden so found liberty at Calvary. Mercy was great for me. And then I realized in the middle of hell how much I feel God owes me. But then I realized he owes me nothing. And then that's when he says, good, I need you to be there, Mark. I need you to be at the place where I owe you nothing. Because when you realize I owe you nothing and I begin lavishing my mercy and my kindness anyway, you see how powerful I really am. It's when God steps into your life and you didn't even deserve it. It's when God steps into your situation and you didn't even deserve it. And he does it anyway because he's a kind God. The lie of the world is that he's not kind. The lie of the world is, is the more stress and the more temptation and the more suffering is he's trying to get your attention. It's ludicrous. The Bible says in Romans it's his kindness that causes you to repent. He's kind to people. I know, I know suffering makes us seek Him, but it doesn't keep us in the game. People will seek God when they're suffering, but once they're done suffering, they're back to clubbing. They're back just doing whatever they were doing before. 9-11, remember, boom, blows up, the whole churches are filled up for three months. It's like, yeah, man, we ain't out yet, and it ain't the end of the world, let's go back. Churches just kind of flood out again. Because suffering will bring you to God, but it doesn't keep you there. It's his kindness that keeps you there. 
He's kind to us. So let's look at some scripture. I want to teach you about his kindness. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but if I could do one thing to inspire you in the middle of it, to start thinking of his kindness. I'm going to walk you through what I've done, and I pray it helps you. Here's back to that scripture. But God is so rich in mercy. That's, that's the extravagant kindness of God. His undeserved kindness. He loved us so much even when he were dead in our sins. And then I put it in pink for you. He gave us life. When you're going through a hard time, when you're going through a battle, marriage, health, finances, work, kids, here's something about kindness you need to know. You have to bring yourself... Yeah, you can go back to that one. That was right. When you start asking why, you have to just do this. I don't know, but I know God's working to bring me life. Well, why did Robin? I don't know, but I know God's working to bring me life. Every day I get up, I'm going to believe for life. I'm not going to get up pouty. I'm not going to get up angry. I'm not going to get up mad. When my feet hit the floor, I'm going to be thinking life. Hunt me down, life. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. So I just have to begin to tell myself that mercy will follow me. Because we get stuck. We, 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 I don't understand. Why, God? Why? You just start moving and you get busy about living and God says behind you will be two little chihuahuas of mercy coming behind you. Loving kindness coming behind you. And, and this, is, this is what I mean by that. You have to stop your brain from thinking all hell is chasing me down. I wake up and problems always find me. I thought it was going to be a better day. By 10 a.m., all hell broke loose. Well, been there and done that. I know what that feels like. However, a new way to think is, I'm up. I got mercy and kindness. Right? I have mercy. And when I start feeling like all hell's breaking loose, oh, whoa, boy, and I'm going to turn my little pony around and go, mercy and kindness, sick them, boys. Because I've trained myself to quit thinking that the devil's going to get me. And I've started thinking that God is working to bring me life. Stop thinking the devil's going to get you. Stop living a way that, well, if nothing, I just always wait for the hammer to drop. That's demonic thinking. I just wait for the next shoe to fall. I just know, I mean, it's Monday. I know by Friday something else is going to happen. That's because you're living in the land of despair and you have forgotten it's his kindness and now you're trying to let it feel like you've earned something. So, it's hard. I'm not saying this is easy. But it's possible. I'm just going to believe that today, in this journey, life is working. Now, when you're walking your wife down the chemo unit, 
and you see her eyes, her first round of chemo, and you sit your sweet bride down with all her beautiful hair, and a stranger comes up and sticks a needle in your arm with bags and tells you you're going to be hooked up for four hours. Oh, P.S. husband, you got to get out because of COVID. You can't sit here with your wife hooked up to the drug that Google says is pretty much just going to ruin your whole life. And it would be easy to walk out and kiss her and go, well, I, got, I got prayer and luck. Well, I'll take either. I just hope everything, but no. We decided when we got up that morning. I don't know. I don't, I've never had this drug before, but I know life's going to be working. And I know God's going to be working. And the whole way through that journey, we just kept believing life overcomes death. Life overcomes the suffering. Life. And so get yourself here. Shake yourself to believe. Quit thinking, oh, that's my marriage. It's always been this way. It's never going to get any better. Okay, good. Maybe not today. But wake up and go, I don't know about this, but I know God's going to be working. Next scripture. All from Ephesians 2. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of his incredible wealth of grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he's done for us. Listen, to this, let this soak in a minute. God is so kind that for eternity, in the ages to come, when another angel like Lucifer says, Let's rebel! Because that's a real thought. Like, why wouldn't another angel just go, tired of God, I'm going to take him over. And we start all over again. Right? Like it happened once before. What if Gabriel just decides, I don't want to be a messenger angel anymore. I want to do warfare. And Gabriel decides to take the throne. It can't happen. Here's why. Because in all of the ages to come, when an angel ever says, I think I could overthrow the... Yeah, never mind. Because God just goes... This is the result of the last rebellion. You are the result of the last rebellion and he will point to you as an example of how kind he is to redeem the people that didn't need redeeming. He will point to you. And you will be in eternity as an example of his kindness. Well, if I'm going to be in eternity as an example to the angels and the devil and all of, all of the future ages to come, here's my next thought when Mark began to question why. Well, I don't know why, but I know I'm going to be an example of God's kindness toward me. I don't know. But I know that I'm going to be an example that God gives me favor. I don't know what it looks like on the surface to everybody. I may be crying today. I may be wondering how I'm going to get through it today. But I'm on my horse expecting life. And while I'm expecting life, people are going to be, man, that Mark fella is because I know that if I trust God, I will be an example of his kindness rather than an example of the devil's torment. I will be an example of what God can do for me rather than what the devil's trying to do to me. And a lot of us, I don't say a lot, but many Christians are a better example of the devil than God. 
Their life reflects the devil's power more than God's kindness. And they're proud of that. They post about it. Let me tell you how terrible my job is. Oh, God, I hate it. Let me tell you what my husband did. I blocked him so he can't read it. But if y'all would share what I'm saying about him, I sure would appreciate it. Right? I mean, it's just a weird generation. My Lord, shut up. And rather than glorifying the hell, I mean, don't you think somebody out there needs some good news? Every time I turn the blooming TV on, somebody got shot. Somebody got stabbed. Hey, Mark, I know you and Robin going to Atlanta every Friday. Yeah, every Friday night, date night. Going, night make sure you don't get stabbed or shot. I got I, I don't need that in my brain. I, I literally went on a date the other night with my wife in Atlanta. We pulled up into the parking spot. We always park. We're in our parking spot. We're going to go to the date place where we always date romantically. We pull up. Robin gets out. She says, what are you doing? I said, I'm getting my 9 millimeter. <laughs> what? I'm on a date with Robin, and I'm packing a 9 millimeter, baby. I got to walk nine feet from the parking garage to the restaurant. Ain't nobody going to shoot me. And here, if they pulled a gun on me, I would wet my pants. I I couldn't help anybody. I'd be like, oh, Robin, oh, God, it's stuck, it's stuck. Ah, Run, Robin, run. Like like I'm going to shoot somebody. I, I literally felt stupid. Why? Because I'm expected to get mugged, shot, stabbed to death. Well, don't go walk through the park. Somebody will stab you. There's a serial killer. So now just sit home and watch Andy? Why? Because we've, we've been conditioned to not expect to be an example of kindness. I will tell you this. There's just something inspiring to watch the favor of God on somebody else's life. To hear a testimony of something good God has done. You need to be that. I'm not telling you to ignore the problem. I'm just telling you to be a better example. Because you're expecting him to be kind. You're expecting his favor. The next verse. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. And somebody may ask, Mark, I feel like you're just really arrogant. Like you just believe in God's going to lavish you with kindness. And seems so arrogant. Ah, well, yeah. But I literally believe it, and here's why I'm not arrogant, because when somebody says why, this is how I answer it. I don't know, but when it's over, God's going to get all the credit for the kindness he's shown me. I don't know right now, man, it looks bleak right now. But a year later, when my bride walks through this, God's going to get all the credit. I mean, I could ask Rob and, and, and Barb about their journey when Rob got cancer. But I guarantee they'll stand up now and say, I don't know how we got through that hell, but I give God all the credit. I don't know how I got through some of the darkest of my times, but I want to tell you how God was kind to me. And something, and this is, just grab this, sometimes in the middle of the journey, you just don't feel like he's kind, but he is. He'll get all the credit when it's said and done if you'll hang in there with him. It's going to feel like right now there's no credits. You're still in the middle of the movie. You don't know what's going on yet. You're not at the end of the movie. But when it's all over, God will get the credit. 
You may be in the middle of a divorce right now, in the middle of hell right now. You have no idea right now. But when God's all over, he'll get all the credit. That he saved you, he spared you, he redeemed you. There's no way on May 19th, May 20th, when I buried my wife, looking at her dead body, there's no way you could have ever convinced me that in that death there was going to be the kindness of God shown to me. No, the kindness of God is get my wife out of the casket and let her live. There's no way this moment is the kindness of God to me. It doesn't even feel kind. I feel like the devil won. I don't feel like God won. I feel like he's silent. I feel like he abandoned me. But now I have the beauty of, well, that's over. And I'm 31 years past it. I have four beautiful daughters, a grandchild, a lovely wife that tolerates every bit of my weird personality. And I look back now and I say, only God can do that. And I look back and say, he's been really kind to me on this earth. You say, well, what about your, your, your wife that died? Oh, he was kind to her because when she breathed her last, he's standing in her presence like, Daddy? He was kind to her too. He was kind to me because he kept me in the journey of his favor. He was kind to her because when she showed up, he said, Come in, my daughter. Welcome, welcome home. I paid a price for you that you didn't deserve. And Mark, I'm going to give you kindness you don't deserve. So when I'm said and done, you'll give me the credit and you'll give me the credit and you'll be an example and you'll be an example. The final one is this. For we are God's masterpiece and He's created us anew in Christ Jesus. So, watch, we can do the good things He's planned for us to do. God has a mission for you. But if you're a beat up, tired, worn out frustrated, ticked off, mad. You just probably aren't going to accomplish much for God. You're always going to blame somebody. You're always going to have somebody's fault. You're always going to be mad at God that He didn't do it the way you wanted Him to do it. But look at this again. We're His masterpiece. So I wrote this down as the final thought of His kindness. Why? <laughs> I think this was most of my last year. I don't know. And it might look ugly right now, but when it's all over, it's going to be a masterpiece. I don't know. My marriage is ugly right now, but when God's done, it's going to be a masterpiece. I don't know, man. My health right now looks really ugly. I, my body's hurting, but I know He will grant me kindness, and His kindness is His healing, is His mercy, is His grace. And when he's done with me, I'll give him the credit. And when he's done, you'll look at me and go, man, that is a beautiful masterpiece. God outdid himself. And I thought, how could I land this plane of God healed my heart? Like, what could I say to you today? It could be something you would take away. And the thing that I want to give you is the conclusion. I, I guess if, if it was the, the last year of my life, it would be, I would ask you these questions would you refocus the story of your life? I know it hurts. I know, I know it's hard. I know you might not want to go through the thing and you're wishing, you think the devil's on your back, but refocus. And, and don't just refocus to stay busy, to join a gym, to watch more Netflix or read more Bible. 
refocus your mind on the overwhelming kindness of God. I'm going to expect Him to give me favor. I'm going to expect Him to work for me. I'm going to expect Him to bring me life. I'm going to expect Him to come through. Those are my expectations. I will be an example at my work. I will be an example everywhere I go. I will be an example to my friends that I don't always understand life, but I know He's kind to me and I don't even deserve it, and He is anyway. And despite how it may look now, (laughs) would you dare believe a masterpiece is in the making? The reason most people never see the masterpiece is they come off the wall before God's done. We're like tired of God. I I wanted Him to use more yellow. I didn't want God to paint that. So we pull ourselves, we paint ourselves, we paint ourselves with our habits and addictions and hobbies and we never really become the masterpiece that does much in life. We just become an example that life is hard. Well, you want to see how bad life will do you? Go over and look at your daddy. He's a good example of how terrible it is on this planet. Or we can just say, you know, and I don't know, and I don't, I don't say this like I'm looking for something out of it, but I genuinely this year tried to live it in front of you. I was offered to not preach. I was offered to take some time off. I was offered to go on vacation. I was offered, I know it's hard, so maybe you shouldn't come into work. And I just kept saying to myself, yeah, of course it's hard. But because it's hard, you think I don't want to come and and talk to other people that I'm going through and let them see that I'm working my faith out as I go and... You want me to just quit being an example? Where's Mark? I don't know. Last I saw him, he's up in Gatlinburg drinking moonshine. Well, he's had a hard life. I'd need some too. Right? I'm not against moonshine, but come on. I'd rather be a better example. I would rather be, I don't know how he does it, but I'll tell you how I did it, because in the middle of hell, God was kind. And I just expected his kindness. And if I didn't see it on Monday, I got up on Tuesday and expected him to be kind to me. And if I didn't see it on Tuesday, I got up on Wednesday and came to Believer's You and preached my guts out for revelation and expected him to be kind. And if I didn't see his kindness at Believer's You, I went to Monterey and expected David White to buy me churri queso. And if David didn't pay for it, I got up the next day and went to work and I went to golf with Burl. And if I could beat Burl, God's kindness to me is great. I never beat Burl, so God must not be kind. I get up on Friday, and I'm going to go on a date with my wife. It's Friday. I'm going to expect the kindness of God, but I might get shot. All all I said, and I, I did this to try to tell you that life's not easy. It's not often fun to just preach a sermon But I've tried to live an example as a shepherd that maybe would inspire you that when life is hard, trust him. He is kind. He is merciful. He is gracious. He is good. He is overwhelming. And if you just won't throw in the towel, he will make a masterpiece. Hallelujah. Come on, stand up with me if you will. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there is anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com.
Be sure to check back next week for a brand new message.